0: This episode is brought to you by our partners at Workplace Law. Welcome to the Female Athlete Project, season two. My name is Chloe Dalton. I'm an Olympic gold medalist in rugby sevens, and I'm now playing for the GWS Giants in the AFLW. I started TFAP to share the stories of incredible female athletes and to address the gender inequalities that exist within the sports media space. We want to change that story, and we're all about making news and highlights of women's sport easily accessible across our platforms. Our hope is that more female athletes will become household names, and in turn, enable the next generation of young kids to pick up a ball, racket, bat, board, whatever they want to pick. Sabrina Frederick is a force on and off the AFLW field. She's a fierce competitor and a ruthless fighter skills that she picked up as a kid in country Western Australia after moving across the world with her family from Brighton, England at just seven years old. But she found her place on the footy field, playing with the boys before joining a women's team at the tender age of 14. Fast forward a few years and Frederick was one of the inaugural marquee signings for the Brisbane Lions in season one of AFLW. That season saw her named an AFLW rising star and in the All-Australian team. A move to Melbourne to play for Richmond in 2020 and a win on the popular reality show SAS Australia has seen Frederick's profile grow. And she's really passionate about using that profile to help others who face adversity and experience inequality. Sabrina is about to start AFRW season six with Collingwood. A new start, a new club and a new challenge. It was really special having the chance to sit down and chat with Sabrina. I hope you enjoy it.
1: Sabrina Frederick, welcome to the Female Athlete Project. Thanks for having me. I've actually been watching this for a while and watching what you've been doing. So I'm actually really excited to be here.
0: Thank you. Yeah. It's um it's really cool to have you in and nice to do it in person as well. Like yeah. I've I've done a few over Zoom lately. So it's just really nice to actually see your face and yeah. see your reactions in real time. Yeah, I think not yeah. <laughs> 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 trying to wait for the response. Yeah. Well, like, are you gonna laugh at my joke? <laughs> no, okay. <Yeah. laughs> That seems to happen a fair bit lately. Yeah. yeah, so we're set up in a studio in Melbourne, which is quite nice. Um, got all the bells and whistles, as we were just saying before starting. Um, you've recently started training for a marathon. Mm. I want to hear about this. Where did this start?
1: I think I was one of those people a couple of years ago that I just couldn't understand why people would do it. Mm. Like I never could understand why people would want to run for that long, mm. um, I'm still that person. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And um, I think it sort of came about with lockdowns happening and, and wanting to challenge myself. And last year... I had in preparation for SAS Australia, I had something that was my focus other than football and Mm -hmm. I wanted something else to focus on other than football that is sort of going to enhance that. So for me, it was sort of thinking, should I do something on a bike, swimming um, or running? And for for me, I was sort of like, oh, maybe I should do a run. Maybe I should do a half marathon. Mm. And then I was talking to my running coach and he was like, come on, Sabs, like. You never go in anything half-assed. Like you're gonna do it or you're gonna do it. And I'm <laughs> like, okay, all right, we're doing it. We're doing the full marathon. Whoa. So I was like, okay, show me the plan. I don't want to go full bullet a gate and have injuries or anything. Mm. I want to be sensible, obviously, with preseason and the season coming up. Yeah. So he showed me a plan, and I was like, you know what? Let's do this. Like it's it seems like I can build up to that in a reasonable amount of time. And A new challenge. I've never, before I started, the most I'd ran um, consecutively probably would have been about 15Ks. So it's like a massive, massive jump for me. Um, And honestly, like the training has been really, really hard. Yeah. (laughs) Way harder than I thought. And I think the training, honestly, will probably be harder than the actual race day. I think the actual race day, by the time I get to it, will be like, okay, I've done all of this crazy training, Mm. I will actually be all right. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I've been way out of depth and I've been enjoying it, though. Like once I've been getting myself through the sessions and I completed a couple of weeks ago a half marathon. Okay. And once I got to that and I was like, okay, this is half of it? I've gone through half? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I think I can go through the full thing, so. How uh, did that one feel? Oh, amazing, amazing. And it was weird because I always envisioned myself doing a half marathon – in competition but with everything going on things getting postponed i just did it around home Mm. but it was kind of nice because i got to i live out near the greenery it was nice sort of looking about and and coming home to my family being there like at the finish and it was kind of nice in the end so um and and nice to know that after weeks of training Mm. um yeah you got the results so yeah pretty happy
0: that's cool. Where does your where does your head go? Like when you hit a, a
1: dark spot, where yeah. does your head go? <sighs> Honestly, <laughs> it goes to how many k's we got. Left. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Like, I think also with running for that long, you kind of can't really stop because mm. once you stop, like they always say you're better off to slow your pace than stop because once you stop, it's hard to get going again, mm. especially with the lactic acid building up. Yeah. So when I'm sort of in a dark patch, I'm sort of like, okay, let's just take it back a bit, focus on your breathing, just mm. get yourself back into a rhythm and then sort of go from there. But um yeah, there was one point where I i think I got, like, a little rock or something oh, in my nah. shoe. Oh, nah. Dude, like, that is the <laughs> worst. I think it was, like, uh, I was, I think that was probably about 11, k- k- like, Ks in. I had still, like, another 10 left, and I was just, like, oh, my God. Did you keep going? Yeah, yeah, oh. I kept going because I was trying to push for time that day. Okay. So I was, like, I can't stop. Um... And yeah, I pushed through but honestly it's just an it's just that annoying thing that just Mm -hmm. sits there and you're just like I need to I need to get rid of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It was a nice finish and um, Yeah. yeah, I'm glad I'm glad I'm doing it and I I feel really good that I've gotten through that part of it.
0: Yeah, that's a big one to tick off. Yeah. Well done. Thanks. Um, I want to take it back and go back and have a look at your childhood. Mm. Um, Can you tell us a bit about where you were born and growing up just as as a youngster?
1: Yeah. Um, Born in the UK, a lot of people think I've lost my accent. It sort of comes back from time to time, especially Mm. when I speak to mum. Um, Born in the UK, moved to Perth when I was seven. Mm -hmm. I lived there up until I was about 19 when AFLW came about um, and moved to Brisbane, spent three years there and then moved to Melbourne. But sort of winding back Mm. when I spent most of my time in Perth, um, I've always been a sporty kid, like every sport under the sun I tried. Sorry, Mum. <laughs> money in yeah. the cage driving mm-hmm. in the training. Like there'd mm-hmm. be days where I'd be driving from footy to soccer in the one day. Like it was mm. hectic. Um, so, yeah, I was a very, very sporty kid. Um, went to a school sort of in a country-ish town about an hour out from Perth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's sort of where my initial introduction introduction to footy came about like I had had no friends I didn't know anyone okay this this new kid from the UK um and sort of my I think my comfortable part of life was always sport Mm. so I knew that the kids were playing something at recess and lunch. And I thought it was rugby when oh, I like, no. initially I thought it was rugby because I didn't know what AFL was. Like, yeah, I didn't yeah. even know it existed. Yeah, so of course. So I'm seeing these kids running around, I'm thinking it's rugby, going like, okay, let's jump in here. And mm. then as I've started playing, I'm like – this is not rugby. <laughs> and like, it sort of had that mentality of, like, fake it to your make yeah, it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Sort of being like, yeah, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Like mm. Watching, trying to pick it up as I was going along. And um, I honestly really loved it. Mm. I loved it from the instant time. Like, the first time I started playing, I loved it. And, um, yeah, sort of didn't really look back. Continued to play. Um, my school sport teacher thought I had a bit of a talent mm. and said to stick with it and, yeah. Um, yeah, it, I had some def, definitely hurdles along the along the way, like every girl getting told you can't play at the age of fourteen, mm. playing against women at fourteen years mm. old. Um, and I guess right time at the right place. Um, you know, I was I was young enough to be around for W to start. So. Mm. And now I'm here because of it. Moved around a fair bit. Um, the time in Brisbane was awesome spent a lot of my independent years there and then now I'm here in Melbourne and call it home so that's sort of a snapshot of my life. You I did suppose. a good job condensing that, <laughs> no, I like that. <laughs>
0: um, I want to chat about this, I, don't, I mean it's hard when you're when you're a little kid but do you remember the, what it felt like as a seven-year-old to move to a completely different country and be in what you described as kind of like a, a country town, was that, how was that experience for you?
1: Yeah. Um, I do remember it just because it was such a, a weird time. Um, we When we had moved, mum sort of said to us kids, like, this is an extended stay, like a okay. holiday, basically Ooh. like a test run. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like, we had packed up everything, but sort of in the back of our minds didn't know if we were staying. Mm-hmm. Um, so that in itself was weird because we never really had that conversation about, like, we're staying here. Mm. And like, I say this to everyone, me and my siblings have this running joke that, like, we're wondering when we're going home. We're <laughs> like, still on holiday. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks, Mum. But it's it's it was crazy because I've gone from, I lived in a very um, busy town. I lived in Brighton mm-hmm. um, in England and it was very busy, very open, very accepting Um and almost moving to the polar opposite, moving to somewhere where it was very dry, very open space. There's not as many people,
0: mm.
1: people that were quite closed minded. Um, and yeah, it was complete 180. Mm. So being dropped into that environment um, was quite hard for myself, my siblings too, but I think we had our own individual experiences. I personally felt like no one could relate to me. I've mm. always felt like I was that kid that just stood out no matter how hard I tried to to fit in. Mm. And as a kid, that's all you want. Yeah. Like now I don't want to fit in. Mm. But as a kid, you just want to be accepted. You don't want to be that one that's sort of getting all the attention. So, yeah, it was it was a bit of a challenge for me, um, especially in those initial years. Um, but I managed to pick myself up and and I would say maybe thir- after my third year, um, I felt pretty comfortable there, mm. which is good. I like what you said before
0: about sport kind of being your way in and, and getting yeah. to know people and create friends. And I think that's where sport is such a beautiful thing. Like majority of my friendship groups are, are through sport. Yeah. I'm sure you would be similar with that. But did you ever feel like, because that was your way of of acceptance almost, did you almost feel additional pressure that came from that? as you were playing sport and performing? Like, did you feel like you put extra pressure on yourself to be good at sport?
1: Yeah, probably. Um, I've never really thought of it that way. Um, but probably because I think also growing up, like, I felt like that's all I had. Mm. Um, I didn't really do much else. So, um, and I'm so competitive. Like, <laughs> I want to I do well yeah. um, at anything that I do. Mm. So um, I... Probably, yeah, I probably put a lot of pressure on myself to do well. But also in those initial years where I was playing um, playing football especially, I was playing against these boys and I was the only girl. So wow. I had that pressure to probably external pressure in the sense that they didn't think I belonged there, mm. but also the pressure I put on myself to be like, you're more than capable than mm. anyone um, and you can do this. So... Definitely had that, that pressure in that time. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Um, it's crazy thing. think the time has changed so much now. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. What do you reckon, do you think that contributed to the athlete you are today playing with the boys at that young age?
1: Yeah, like in different ways. Like I think people always say to me, do you think it made you a better footballer? And I think in the sense that they... For the boys, they've had a system for so long Mm. that if you go and watch a a boy's training, like there's kids at six years old that they get the training, they're already doing train tracks. Like they're in it like they're a professional at that age. Mm. So you sort of pick up on on those little things that I think at that time wasn't in women's football, Yeah. um, that sort of that discipline because those kids at that age, they wanted to be footballers, Mm. so they were like training at an elite level, like Mm. throwing weights around, you know, (laughs) like the craziest things you would see at that age. Yeah. Um, So those things definitely, definitely helped um, for my career and I've taken through um, to my career. But I think also... That external pressure of, you know, she doesn't deserve to be here or she shouldn't be here, I think that chip on my shoulder has always been there to be like, I can do this. Mm. Um, and that's probably carried through my career as well. Mm. It's I used
0: to play, I'm similar, I played a whole range of sports, but I used to play baseball and I was mm. the only girl in my team for years and years and and my favourite thing was when I was pitching And one of the boys would step up and you could hear them all like, it's a girl pitching, she's going to be so slow, like like, whack it. And I was like, let's go. (laughs) It's always like that, like, come on, let's do
1: this.
0: (laughs) So good. I I love that. Um, So how old were you when you first started playing? Like when did you first see um, Aussie Rules Football when you got here?
1: Um, So pretty much I started the school year probably a month after I got there. So I was probably about to turn eight. Okay, and when I started, which is it's early for some, but for a lot of kids, it's pretty late, mm. like, especially for the boys that I see now that are doing Oz at like five. yeah, um but even still, like when I was when I was doing it, it wasn't like I was thinking I'm going to be a professional. Mm-hmm. Like I was doing it to have fun. Mm. So, yeah, I started at eight and honestly didn't didn't stop. I've played every year since. Wow.
0: Yeah. What did you, because they could obviously see themselves becoming professionals one day, mm. what did you at that point think you were going to do? Did you have any idea what you wanted to do with your life?
1: I've always wanted to be an athlete. Like I've, I yeah. love sport. Um, I actually played soccer my whole life, like being English, that's just a given. Like mm. you're playing mm. soccer from the moment, you can run. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was playing soccer up until pretty much probably the year before AFLW was announced um, and I was balancing the two. I was playing Mm. football and soccer. I went to a specialist school for soccer. Okay. Yeah, on a scholarship there. Oh, wow. So I went through the whole of high school on a soccer scholarship and I was about to take a scholarship to go to New York and play in the college system over there. Okay. Um, And it was so strange because there was probably a moment of, time. It was probably a couple of months where there was rumblings going on that the AFL were going to bring out this women's competition. But, Mm. you know, if it was real and it was around the same time where I had to make a decision and just something in me just said, like, just hang on a minute. Like, you can put this on pause for a bit Mm. and worst case, just go in for the next semester. So, yeah, I, I pulled out of that. And then AFLW was born it was crazy crazy time like such a crossroad like sometimes I'm like if I just went like my whole life would be different Mm. completely different so I love soccer don't get me wrong but footy has my heart for sure that's cool
0: how do you see that because you know some people like I don't um live with any regrets Mm. in in terms of the way things happen and you now get to live this this life where you've got to move across the country and yeah. and play footy pro- mm. semi-professionally. Mm. We won't go professionally yet. <laughs> Not yet. <yeah. laughs> we'll get to that point. Um, but, yeah, is there any part of you that's like, I kind of wish I gave that a try going over there?
1: Not really because, like, for me, I've footy has my heart. Like, I genuinely love the sport. And I think also because I know that through everything – like, I didn't know I was going to be a professional of any kind in footy mm. and I still stuck with it. Like, I was balancing soccer mm. and putting myself through hell just because I really enjoyed the sport. Mm. Whereas soccer was sort of something that I've just done for as long as I can remember and I enjoyed it and I was all right at it. Mm. Um, but it didn't, I didn't have that same passion. So I think as much as I could have gone down that route and I could have had a career and, you know, who knows where that would have taken me. I, think I I don't think I ever would have had that exact same amount of passion for the sport as much mm. as I do footy. So, yeah, I don't, I don't have regret about it. Mm.
0: I like that idea because we get, even like through the Female Athlete Project on Instagram when we kind of put questions out, a lot of people, a lot of like young teenagers who play multiple sports often have these questions like how did you balance them, how did you decide, how did you pick one? Mm. But I kind of like this idea and I feel like my story's been a little bit similar in the sense where... I've made decisions that you sacrifice something else Mm. but I think as long as you're doing what you enjoy and what you love you can't ever really miss out on on what you chose not to do
1: no I mean there's I think also that whole grass is greener analogy like there's always something that you could do more of like Mm. you could have there's some people that could have chosen an Olympic sport but you know, over something else. But in the end of the day, if you don't enjoy it more, that's what life's about. Mm. It's about doing things you enjoy mm-hmm. and you're the one living it. Yeah. Like all these external pressures saying you should do this because you're going to get paid more, you should do this because you can go and do this. Mm. These people aren't actually living your life. Yeah. So if you're listening to those people, instead of, Actually, going. You know what? I really, really enjoy this. Mm. I'm going to do this for right now. Mm. And for some people, that is both yeah. for as long as they possibly can. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah. And if you can, if you can do it, do it. Yeah. That's, that's what I say. It, life is way too short.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um. Looking at 2017, well, slightly prior to that, when the AFLW had been announced mm. that it was going to be a legitimate competition, mm. um, you were signed on as one of the first marquee players yeah. with Brisbane. So you moved across from Perth, mm. which had become your home, yeah, um, over to Brisbane on your own at 19 years old. Yeah, What was that experience like for you?
1: I think at the time there was just so much emotion and I was so excited, um, you know, this had been a dream that stemmed from nothing, mm. you know, that all of a sudden I'm doing a sport that I really, really love. I think in hindsight, looking back now, that was a lot for someone of my age um, moving across to another, to somewhere I'd never been before. I'd mm. never been to Brisbane before. Um, and there was a probably a bit of pressure, external and also myself. I'm always going to put pressure on myself. But as a marquee player, there was a lot of pressure um, for someone like myself who at that point I was an experienced player mm. at 19, mm. you know, if you're in comparison to any other sport, like that's just not, you shouldn't be carrying that much weight. Yeah, totally. Um, going to that, to that club. I don't regret it. Like I was one of the the best times. Um, I learned so much about myself. I felt like I grew up really quickly in mm. that time because I had to, um, but definitely a lot a lot of pressure was going on then and I think I was going through a lot um, in a short amount of time.
0: Mm. What's your philosophy around this idea of I've heard you talk about kind of like throwing yourself in the deep end mm-hmm. and, and putting yourself in challenging situations and I love that idea because I think people often get quite comfortable and, and people are often afraid of change because there's so many unknowns with it and I think mm. I love this idea of doing something new, um and for me, whenever I've done something new, I've I've found it really freeing. I've found a real sense of liberty in that. Yeah. Have you has that been something similar in terms of your reasoning behind kind of throwing yourself in the deep end a little bit? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. I think I think fundamentally with humans, we learn when we're in uncomfortable situations because we have that fight or flight mentality. Mm. When you're in the pressure cooker. Things become so simple and you make decisions based on what works for you. Mm. And in in my history of pushing myself to do things that are very out, out there, I've never turned around and gone, that was terrible. Mm. I might have gone, that probably wasn't the best thing for me, but I learned so much from it that I'm going in this direction now. But I've yeah. never, ever gone that was absolutely terrible waste of my time mm. um, because you can always take something out of something new yeah like just something simple as that wasn't for me yeah yeah <laughs> that's still ter- that's still something that you can take from it so, yeah um, as much as it can be really uncomfortable at times with decisions that I put myself through <laughs> um, I've never come out on the other side saying that was a waste of my time
0: yeah I really like that. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Mm. Um, What was that first year like in 2017, the the very first year of the AFLW competition? Obviously, it took a a huge stride to get to that point for them to set that competition up, but it still was considered in its infancy in that stage. I'm sure a lot of different working pieces and and a lot of areas for improvement. Yeah. What was that like for you, your first um, time being a semi-professional athlete?
1: Yeah, I would say absolute roller coaster, like the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Like the highest of highs in the sense that finally getting to play at the elite level and being a professional of some sort and playing a sport that you love with your mates. And for us, that season, we went through the whole season undefeated until obviously the grand final losing. Um, But that was such an amazing experience to go through with that group um, that we're all, no matter where we came from, we all love footy so much and we're there living that same dream and not just within the team but with the whole league mm. Every, and the fans and everyone that's been a supporter of AFLW, mm. we are all riding that emotion, like, standing there on grand final day. I'll never forget, like, afterwards we lost and I was absolutely shattered but at the same time, I was like, this is amazing. Mm. Like, this is a history history moment, like, that you'll never be able to take back. And that whole year was just ups and downs. And even though the lows of lows, something as simple as we were being expected to be for professionals and almost probably too professional for the amount of time we were mm-hmm, given mm-hmm. Um, and the pressures that came with that, those points were definitely really, really tough um, for someone that has never been in an elite environment before, but also balancing life mm. everything else going on. Um, it's still the best, best, best time. I will never forget that year mm. was the best time. And for a little bit of
0: background, I guess for people who don't watch a lot of footy, I know lots of our listeners are from Sydney, so don't Mm. watch footy as much as what Melbourne people do, Um, looking at, I guess, the AFL competition, the way that it's set up and and the way that the contracts are structured, it's very part-time and there's about 10 to 12 hours a week that you're allowed to train as a team. But like you said, there's this expectation that you're still a professional athlete Mm. and the contracts are six months of the year, but you're still expected to... Get there mm. at the start of that six month contract, mm. ready to go. Yeah.
1: So you kind of still got to do it for twelve <laughs> months of the year, right? It's funny because people always say to me like, "You're a semi professional." I always correct them and say, "No, I'm not. Mm. I'm I'm a professional. Mm. Like I'm expected to be a weapon three hundred and sixty five days mm-hmm. a year. Mm-hmm. I may not get paid for that time. It's I see it as Olympians, right? Mm. They're, they're training for however however many long years mm-hmm. to compete for that one. Mm. Are they full-time? Like in a lot of people's minds they are because Mm. you're preparing that whole time for this this competition. Yeah, okay, we don't get paid as much as we probably should Mm. for what we do, but we're expected to give our whole lives to it, Mm. you know, and it is frustrating at times because, you know, we only get a set amount of hours, um, but we're still in a high-performance environment. Mm -hmm. We're pushing to be our best every single time mm. with not much resources around. Um, and at in the first few years, lots of moving pieces that people are trying to figure out how it works and still now. Um, so yeah, I consider myself full time because I don't, I don't just switch off mm-hmm. when the season's done. Like I'm, I'm getting myself ready for the next year. So mm. for me, I'm, professional. I just hope that sometime soon that the resourcing and the backing behind it can catch up to the amount that we give.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that's where there's got to be an investment that matches that level of commitment that's year round Yeah. a lot more than that 10 (laughs) to 12 hours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, One of the things that I found really interesting when I first started playing footy, and I think you you talked to, before about the highs and the lows and kind of that roller coaster thing. I think for me the, the massive high, particularly about playing in Melbourne, was being surrounded by people that were just obsessed with footy. Yeah. Like yeah. footy was life. I was like, this is sick. Like yeah. to be a part of this is, is really special. Like yeah. I hadn't ever experienced anything like that. Mm. But then looking at it from I guess one of the lows was I found the commentary around women's footy mm. full on. Yeah. Um, some of the comments that I would read consistently on social media and a lot of it was a comparison To the men's game.
1: Yeah. Um, What is your take
0: on on those kind of comments?
1: Yeah. Look, I agree with you. Like, I spent three years in Brisbane where the same thing, like, there wasn't much support around football mm. um, and then being thrown into the Melbourne scene and everyone knows who you are. Yeah, It's it's very, very different. You're in a fishbowl here. And I love that because mm. I love sport and I'm a fan of sport. So mm. I'd love that passion that is around Melbourne for footy. In terms of the comments and the journalism and, and all that that surrounds the game, I have this understanding that it has to, it has to exist to promote the game. However, I... I'm at a point now where I don't, I don't read any of it. I don't listen to any of it because it's too much. Mm. Um, and people's opinions, I have this understanding that all these people that are saying these things, whether it's good or bad. I can't attach how I'm feeling and and the work that I put in to these people's opinions when they're not doing it. Mm. Like it's really really hard when you you know you play you work all preseason you play a game and you know you hear on the weekend that someone on some TV show is saying that you shouldn't be playing. Mm. <laughs> or, you know, it's really really hard and the first few years I I was listening to that. Yeah. I was listening and reading every single comment and you know I really took it. Not the best. Mm. I'll admit that. Honestly, I was really, really down when, you know, I wasn't playing at my best and people were saying some not very nice things. But I've definitely learned over time that I can't attach my self-worth to these fleeting comments and, and what people say because you can't control it, one. But two, it's it's sort of based off a fictional character. Like me when I'm playing, it's not it's not real. Like it's hard to explain, but I can't attach who I am as a person to to my skill set. Right, they're two two different things, and I think they're not when they're saying things. They're not saying things about me as a person. They don't know me, mm. so I had to really, really separate the two. Um, so I wouldn't get down and yeah, so okay. depleted because I, I would. There were real, really dark times where I was like, this person's just sent me a direct message and it pretty much abused me. Wow. Because I missed a set shot, you know. So there were really, really dark times and I've, I've learnt that. Um, but it's – I also understand that it's part it's part of the game that causes a stir and, and it in terms of women's football too, we need – Probably not that sort of voice, but we need some sort of voice around the game to mm. push it forward. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, okay. That's interesting, this idea of detaching yourself, you as a player versus you as a person. Because I find that one interesting because it's there's almost a push from like a well-being and mental health perspective to mm. look at the athlete as a whole person. Yeah. But I understand that idea that if you detach that, because they don't actually know what you're like as a person and they don't get to sit down and have a conversation with you face to face. It's kind of just sliding in your DMs talking about, you know what I
1: mean? Yeah. Well, I I actually, I heard um, someone speak once about how, when they see you doing your thing on screen, it's almost like seeing Mickey Mouse, you know? Okay. Like it's, it's a character, it's a fictional character in their brain, and they're making it out. Like they're putting together constructs of what they think you're like. Mm. They don't, unless they've had a conversation with you or know you personally. You're basically Mickey Mouse to them, so mm. you can't you can't take you can't take it to heart or, or get really angry about it because it's until they speak to you or know you, it's not accurate at all. Mm. And that goes that goes with journalists too. Like mm. Sporting journalists, I used to get really down about it until I really made a conscious effort to be like, it's not real. Mm. It doesn't matter. Mm. You just got to focus on yourself.
0: Mm. I like that. Mickey mm. Mouse. Mm. That's where it's at.
1: It's <laughs> all just fictional. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll roll with that.
0: You have a bad game. It wasn't me. It wasn't it was me. It's just a fake <laughs> character <laughs> yeah, I made up yeah, in my yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blame it on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to go back. You mentioned earlier, 2017, that grand final mm. where you lost by six points mm. to Adelaide. Mm. Um, following year, grand final. Lost by six points. <laughs> yeah. Um, talk me through that. Two years in a row. That's that would hurt. Yeah. I think
1: it, I think that second one hurt more because it was like it was six points, mm. and, and I think at the time I felt like we didn't learn anything, and right. obviously we did. Mm. But the emotion that you attach to it, the amount of work that you put in over that time, you feel like we've gotten here again i we've made the the same mistake. And obviously it wasn't that. Mm. F- football is made up of so much. But I think in that moment, you put everything into the sport. You, you're all competing. Um, and I think it was tough, tough on our group. And I think tough on the organisation too because they put in so much time um, as well behind the scenes. And there was a lot going on. And we just wanted to do well. We wanted to see some result from the work we'd put in. And um, looking back now, I I don't I don't feel anything towards it. It's 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 good that I can now be like it's just a game, right? <laughs> you know. But at the time, I was like, what? No, mm. <laughs> my whole life. And honestly, like I can be really really honest now. During that second period, I really after that grand final took a massive dip, I was really, really out of it and probably borderline depressed at okay. one stage because I associated my whole life to this game mm. and put in all of my time and energy into this game and felt like what was the point if we didn't win? Mm. If we didn't win that one, what was the point? And mm. obviously that's not how it is now and I'm so glad I'm out of that. But as a young kid, that's I put everything into an I associated my whole life around it. Mm. So it really took took me back um, after that that second loss for sure.
0: How did you move forward from that point where it you felt like you were at a really low point and, and possibly depressed? How did you kind of move out of that?
1: Um, I think putting a lot of time into my outside life mm. um, and sort of doing a bit of work with a sports psych in terms of the whole Detaching from the two yeah. football because I think in my mind I never wanted football to be my job. Yeah, because I loved it. Okay, but I think the best thing I ever did was going football is my job.
0: Right, because
1: I could, I could take away from the fact that football is something that I do. It's not. It's not. I'm the footballer. I right, play football, mm-hmm. and you can have bad days mm. going to work. Mm. Doesn't mean your whole life is over and yeah. you are, you're not a bad person. It just means you've just had an off day mm. or whatever. And I think doing that work in that mindset um, coaching was a huge, huge part of that. And spending real time with with family and friends and, and people that um, mean a lot to me, I think those putting effort in those two areas really, really helped me. And I think now if something like happened like that and lose by six points in a grand final again, I would take it very, very differently. Mm. Sure. I love that way that like
0: when you go through the hard stuff that you build the skills at the time you don't recognise. Yeah. But it's when you go something... Through something similar down the track, mm. and you're like, okay, I've actually developed these yeah. skills. Yeah. I can, I can cope a little bit better. I know how. To, yeah, I like that. Oh, at least I would hope so. <laughs>
1: anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't We'd, been back <laughs> in that situation yet. I think it's possible. Yeah, crossed. yeah.
0: Now for a quick halftime break. Workplace Law is a law firm focused on supporting and empowering female athletes to take control of their careers. If you can't afford an agent or would like to manage your own career, Workplace Law would love to help you. They provide female athletes with guidance through the complexities of player contracts, negotiations and sponsorship agreements, personal brand building, mentoring with on- and off-field careers, crisis management and work with individuals to ensure they respond to incidents and media stories in an appropriate manner, and advice and representation in disciplinary hearings and tribunals. Find out more at www.workplacelaw.com.au. So after two years with Brisbane, moved down to Melbourne. Yeah, three years of Brisbane. Three years, sorry. Yeah. Uh, moved down to Melbourne mm. to join the Richmond Tigers. Mm. Um, historically a, a very, very good football club in the men's side of the game, Yeah, starting with the women's team. Mm. What was that experience like, going from a club that had been successful in making grand finals to a team that hadn't yet really established itself in the women's competition?
1: Yeah, I think that that decision was a big one, Um sort of leaving a club that was finally, you know, finding its feet and figuring out um, how their organisation organization actually worked to taking a punt on another club that's starting from zero mm-hmm. from zero. And I made that decision on the fact that, A, I wanted to move to Melbourne for family reasons but, B, A new challenge. Um, I'd been through building up a team once and I thought that I could bring something to Richmond in building up their team. I think in that first year, it was easy to identify fires that were coming because I'd been through it once. Right. And I felt like I could add value in in that way and also there were so many girls on our list that had never played AFLW before, which was huge mm. um, and I felt like I could help out that way. I think as much as there were positives, um, being a part of a new club, like everything's so exciting, especially a club like Richmond, so, their history, they're so, so proud mm. of their history mm-hmm. and I love that. Mm. And their back end, like their president And CEO and just all the people there are such, um, they're such great people, Mm. really, really good people. Um, And it made my time there really, really fun and enjoyable even though in our first year we didn't win a game. Mm. Like we didn't win a game but, yeah, I enjoyed my my time there, you know. Mm-hmm. That second year um, it was nice to get a, a couple of wins. Um, I actually <laughs> want to play an audio clip for you yeah. while we're on that. <laughs> of um... Not that winning is everything but it was
0: nice <laughs> after a, a whole season not winning a game. Winning is always, always <laughs>
1: nice. <laughs> And it's going to be another history-making night for the Richmond Football Club, as these girls are going to celebrate their first ever AFLW win. And aren't they happy?
0: We don't need to listen to the, to the whole song, but uh, <laughs> talk us through that moment of, of getting the first win after going through a, a year
1: of not winning a single
0: game. What did that yeah. one feel like?
1: Oh, it was amazing. Um, we were down. Well, down at Geelong. I never played there before. It was freezing cold. Um, and it was it was a strange feeling because before the game, I felt like everyone was just so relaxed and everyone felt really comfortable. And it was sort of like we're on here. Mm-hmm. Like I can really feel the energy. I can really feel like everyone switched on. And um, that game we just... We all worked really, really well together. We put in a lot of effort and we were striving for a four-quarter effort in that game and I feel like that was the best consecutive quarters we had put together um, and obviously got the score on the board and actually won the game. But to be able to win that game, not just for ourselves, but for it felt like the whole of the club and everyone that we cared about, it felt like much more than that. Um, because you put in so much work mm. and sacrifice to get that win. It felt like a grand final win at the time. <laughs> like it felt amazing and, and to share that with that group um, honestly was the best and it would definitely be right up there with, you know, first game playing W playing first grand final. Like those moments will forever be in my brain. Like that's why I play footy, those mm. moments, you know, um, so, yeah, it was, yeah, amazing. That's so, really so cool.
0: Um, every week on the show I have a question from a six-year-old and from my grandma. Oh, bless. <laughs> um, so we might start with I love that. six-year-old Frida. She was really yeah. excited to ask you this question. Awesome.
1: Hi, Sabrina. Have you met your mini me? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Frida. Um, I have. She, they casted her, my, for those who don't know, NAB do um, mini legends where they replicate um, footballers and do miniature versions of them. And the little girl that played me, honestly, couldn't have been any more accurate. Like her personality was amazing. We spent the day together and... Honestly, it was like having a little sister. I that's loved it really so, cool so much. Um, we had the best time, and yeah, I'm so glad that they picked her because she just had all the sass, and um, yeah, best personality. That's really cool. I love this idea. I think they do such an amazing job with those
0: mini legends, yeah. and I love this idea about like looking back to when you were a kid when you first moved to Australia. Mm. Who was it that you? would have looked up to in that instance if you look at what your mini-me can now yeah. look up to.
1: Yeah, it's it's so, so crazy and I never take those moments for granted. Um, when I first moved here and I guess my first, I would say, AFL person that I looked up to was Nick Nat Nui. Mm-hmm. And um, for me it was partly because he looked like me mm. um, in the game but also just the way he he played, there's so much... Um, emotion and he was so ferocious that I, I loved I loved watching him play and um, it was so surreal getting to be a part of the Nat Media Legends because yeah, those moments you just you never take for granted because you know how much of an impact that made on you as mm. a kid. Like those moments are why I'm here now mm. I'm playing the game that I'm playing. So I definitely don't take them for granted. Mm.
0: We might go to the question from Granny.
1: Yes, Granny, let's go. She's my favourite person <laughs> in the whole world. She's so
0: very much. special. Hi, Sabrina. What is the hardest thing you have overcome? She's pretty cute. She's from Leeds. I was know. gonna say. I was gonna say I,
1: uh, the accent is yeah. very
0: familiar. Yes, she's lived here for like sixty years, and she's still got her accent. Does she follow the Premier League? Does she? Not, 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 fan. not as much. She's she's kind of integrated into the sports that we've all played. Okay. All her grandkids have played, but I'm yeah. sure when she was younger, she definitely would yeah, have.
1: Love that. And good question. Um, the highest thing I've overcome. Honestly, it. Ch- I think it changes as, as I go on because I think I've overcome a, a fair bit. Um, I think oh, that is honestly such a hard question. I'm going to say I'll break it down to two, mentally and physically, because mm-hmm. I think physically the hardest thing I've ever done is SAS Australia. Yeah, I want to hear about that, that after. definitely the most physical the hardest thing I've ever done up there for mental as well Mm. in terms of mental it probably would be trying to make my way in an industry that is male dominated Mm -hmm. um I'm still dealing with that Mm. now I'd still I'm saying that I've overcome it with myself but I battle with it most days um yeah mentally that is something I would say I'm proud that I've overcome that but still sort of going through it.
0: Mm. Um, There was an incident not too long ago where a player, um, Taylor Walker, Mm. um, made a racist comment and Mm. and came out um, and afterwards publicly apologised. Eddie Betts, Mm. um, who recently played his 350th game, once again was at the forefront speaking up and and standing up against racism. Mm. Um, It's interesting even just seeing your body language... As I, as I talk to you about that. Um, how do you – do you feel – Eddie's comments are a lot of the time is he's exhausted from having to take things like that on. Mm. Do you feel similar to, to the way that Eddie describes that?
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely exhausting. <laughs> I think for him I feel more sad that – what do you say? 350 games mm. and he's still dealing with this. Wow. 350 games later, that's – pretty poor. Mm. Um, and I think for me, it's frustrating because <laughs> you're justifying something based on colour of skin. Like mm. it's it's so mental to me, especially with that instant. I, I don't consume any media. So when that happened in real time, I didn't know it was happening mm. until people were sending me messages in my in my dm about it so i sort of did my research on it to talk about it mm. um and in that situation i think it's more disheartening because you've got someone that would have had so much education mm-hmm. so and people around him mm. and this still happened mm-hmm. and that's disheartening because it's like if anyone's going to get it, it should be him. Mm. (laughs) And we're still having this situation. So in terms of Eddie, like, this is someone he played with. Yeah. You know, like, if I had one of my teammates say that, I'd be like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, what did you think of me personally? Like, he would have definitely taken that to heart Mm. as well. Mm. As well as trying to stand for something bigger than himself, he definitely would have taken that to heart. Um, It's pretty... Sad. It's pretty sad and upsetting that this still is happening, especially with professionals. That mm. this is still happening, because we, for a lot of people, we set the bar. A lot of people look to us, mm. and um, if anyone's going to be able to stamp it out, it's us. Um, it's just a shame that it's still still happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I um, read this quote from you that I thought was really cool. Um, <laughs> I hope uh, just no, no, Just on what you were saying then, and it's I'm a black woman in a same-sex relationship working in a male-dominated sport. Yeah, mm.
1: like there's a lot. There's in a lot, that lot going here. on. And I always say to my friends, I'm like, I'm also vegan as well. So if throw, <laughs> throw in, it in, there. in there. Throw it in. You the 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 might as well. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, there's a lot going on, um and. I'm not intentionally trying to be different, but I'm also proud. I'm proud that I can represent those things because they are my minority groups that a lot of people look for someone to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm proud that I am those things, but it obviously comes with a lot of adversity um, and has probably not made my life easier but it's definitely made me stronger Mm. Um, and I think that it gives me strength when you were talking about the dark times when I'm running or whatever it may be those are the things that I tap into Mm. Um, why I'm doing this why I have to push through this is for those things because I feel like I'm constantly fighting and I feel like I'm also an example for a lot of people. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot going on but I'm super proud mm. um, and I wouldn't have it any other way and I hope that I can make other people proud of who they are as mm. well.
0: Yeah, I think you, you definitely do that. Oh, you should be proud of that. That's really cool. <laughs> um, tell me about SAS. Yeah. When, it first, when the offer kind of first came across your plate, what were you thinking
1: Honestly, it was, so when the first, they were supposed to be fi- filming early last year and because of COVID it got postponed mm. and during when they were going to film I was in season. So that was sort of off, off the table then. And then it sort of came about, when they were going to redo it and they were sort of saying, we've already got the cast, but do you want to come on as a train on sort of if someone gets injured or mm. gets COVID or mm. whatever, can't make it. Um, and I sort of was saying, you know, why not? Because I love the show. I Most of my family live in the UK, so they, they know about the show. I knew about the show. Um, so I was all for it. I was happy to train, just gave me something else to focus on with everything else going on. Mm -hmm. It was nice to actually focus on something um, to help with with footy training. And um, I was training for it and knew that the filming time was coming up, didn't think I was going on. Then with COVID restrictions, I actually had to drive the border from Melbourne to the filming location in New South Wales and I had to, so I had to drive and when I hit the border, I couldn't stop. So I had to drive three and a half hours without stopping because I was technically having to quarantine. So then I get to the location in New South Wales, did 14 days quarantine and through that whole period of time, I still didn't know if I was going on this show. Whoa, that's a big commitment. Yeah. (laughs) It was. In hindsight, it was a good good thing, but it was definitely a big commitment. And at the time, I think because there was so much going on, I was sort of like, well, what else would I be doing just Mm. sitting at home? So I quarantined and it wasn't until the day I got out of quarantine, I had to film my whole backstory and I still didn't know if I was going on. Oh, wow. And then the following day, This was the day before filming. They said, there's been no injuries, there's no reason to put you in, but we want to put you in. Okay. We want to put you in as an add-on. Okay. I was the extra recruit. They had to scramble to get, like, clothes and everything sorted for me. Yeah, within, like, 24 hours. And then got thrown in there. And in hindsight, I'm not sure if that would have been better knowing I wasn't going in because I didn't have that sort of anxiety and stress Mm. because I didn't know if it was going to happen or not. I just Mm. had to focus on just the training and then just getting myself into the mindset for if I was going to go in. Um and then getting the call up and going in I'm like, "Well, I can't turn back now." <laughs> and it was too late. It's too or late to drive across the border. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um but yeah, honestly, it this happened a year ago and I think the process of training changed my life. Mm. But being in that course, I came out a different person. Wow. Yeah, uh, and there's been people who've asked, "Should I apply?" And I would advise to anyone apply Mm. because when you're put under such extreme pressures, even if you last a day, you learn so much about yourself, whether it's good or bad, Mm. you learn a lot Mm. in those environments and um, I'm so grateful for that experience. There's some people that serve their whole life in the military and don't get to do what we did on day one, day two. So I'm super, super privileged to have got that experience and, um, yeah, it changed my life. You were,
0: you won over a lot of the country who might have before, if they weren't footy fans, might not have known your name. Mm. Was that a conscious choice when you were in those situations where you were like tested to the absolute limit physically and mentally? Yeah. Or do you think in that situation, that's where your character kind of just comes through?
1: When you're under that much extreme pressure, you're not thinking about TV. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Okay. I thought that. I would take notice of those sort of things and I would take notice of the filming and stuff, but they, the the instructors make it so, so real mm. that you honestly, you do not even think about that stuff. Mm. And I, I can only speak on behalf of myself. I don't know if the others were thinking about that and what their intentions were or whatever. Um, but for me, when I was in there, I honestly was just like, just focus on each day, Mm. just get through the next day, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and just push yourself. And um, I, yeah, each day I was sort of like, oh, my God, why am I even here? Yeah. And then had to think back to, you know, why? Like, what am I doing this for? And Mm. um, Yeah, when I got to the end, I just was like, I can't believe I just survived this. <laughs> this is mental. <laughs> That's huge. Uh, yeah, huge. And it's it's a strange one because when I came out, I was like, I don't think I could do that again. And now I'm like, I could do that again. Like I Whoa. see the, I see the, I, I am about to do something with Channel Seven um, for this season coming up in the next week and seeing what's gone on there has made me go, oh, I, I, I'm a bit jealous. Like, I want to be there. I want to see if I could have done that. Like, I would have loved to have done that. Um, so it's pretty cool getting to feel that emotion again of going like, do you know what, I actually, I could go back and do it. Yeah. That's massive. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. massive. I mean, actually going You're back crazy. and do <laughs> 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 Maybe I am, borderline.
0: <laughs> um, I... Finish every interview with three would-you-rather questions. Yep. Number one. Oh God, I'm scared. Are you looking at <laughs> Did you like that pause? Yeah. <laughs> Dramatic effect. Um, number one, would you rather make it to another grand final mm. and go down by six? Oh, God. Or, this is a bit savage, this one, or finish bottom of the ladder? <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Um, I would say lose by
0: six at the grand final. Okay, all right. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't think anyone likes being bottom <laughs> <of
1: that>. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> oh.
0: Well, yeah, because you've moved. You've now moved across to Collingwood. Who yes, I thought last season could mm. have taken out the flag. Like I thought yeah. they were having
1: their year. So I'm, yeah. I'm
0: excited to see where you guys go this year. Yeah, I'm excited too. I Not against big... the Giants, but <laughs> <all> these... <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I think it'll be a good fit. I'm really, really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. Cool. Um, number two. Mm. Would you rather take mark of the year or kick goal of the year?
1: Oh, oh I don't. Do you know what? I'm gonna say goal of the year mm. because you can take a mark and not do anything.
0: Like, it yeah, true. Not. Yeah, and you can you can spray the kick you after. I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah, okay. So I'll take goal of the year because goals win games. Yep, I
0: like yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, number three, mm. this is just me stereotyping you as a vegan.
1: Yeah. Would you rather <laughs>
0: never be able to eat tofu or never be able to eat mushrooms ever again?
1: Oh, mushrooms. I love mushrooms, dude. I, yeah, I love them. I never used to, though. Like, as I a kid. can't stand them. They're slimy and gross. No, I love them. I love them. Yeah, definitely can't live without the mushrooms. All
0: man. right. I love that. Um, <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for coming on for a chat. No, I feel like I could you. spend hours chatting yeah. to you about this stuff. Sorry for
1: boring you guys. <laughs> nah, it,
0: was, it was seriously really cool. I love the, I guess, the way that you've been able to reflect on what you've been through and the things that you've been able to learn. And I think... Even looking at that SAS stuff, like it's just a reflection of of you as a person and your character. So I think that's really cool, and I've absolutely loved chatting to you.
1: No, thanks, mate. I really, honestly, I really appreciate what you're doing in this space because I am a huge believer in you know you can't can't be what you can't see, and Mm. shedding light on these amazing women and what they're doing is is awesome. So I'm so Proud of you for doing it, and I'm glad I could be a part of it. So thanks.
0: Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thanks, guys,
1: for listening. Love it. Oh, and where can people find you on Instagram? I always forget that question. Um, it's, it's an interesting one. My username is Sabzizzle. S A B Z I double Um, it's more just so people know that I don't take myself seriously. <laughs> so it's just a little bit of fun. So, I like yeah. that. Love Check it. Me out there. Thank you
0: very very much. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening. If you got something out of this episode, I would absolutely love it if you could send it on to one person who you think might enjoy it. Otherwise, subscribe, give us a review and make sure you follow us on Instagram at the Female Athlete Project to stay up to date with podcast episodes, merch drops and of course, news and stories about epic female athletes.